By the time you hear this podcast, you'll be heavily sweating from a warm Georgia night. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with episode 154. Episode 154. You can see me there, and there's Ben. And uh, (laughs) uh, we have a guest. We will introduce him very shortly. Uh, Thank you to everyone who has downloaded uh, or streamed or listened to uh, the podcast so far. Uh, and listen to the artist that we started the, this particular episode with. Uh, Whoever he is. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. That bloke. Um, so uh, thank you to everyone who has um, done all of those things thus far. We definitely appreciate it. And uh, we, got, we, we have plans to uh, make this a bigger thing. So um, you have a short amount of time to be all hipster about this podcast (laughs) (laughs) um so we do have a guest and i'm going to bring him on screen now he was on our previous episode where we talked about uh the documentary mystify michael hutchins we have returning matt g what's going on man hello how's it going quick turnaround (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, i believe you are the second guest to be on back-to-back episodes i think the other was it was either rick or was brandon i imagine it was probably rick yeah because he he was he was around yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so feature uh thank you for joining us um of course so uh i had some topics for the um Oh, wait, I got to hold on. I got to pull it up from this computer because Matt wouldn't be able to hear it if I played (laughs) it from this other one. So what I want to bring up, uh, have a couple of topics here. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan of or you even are familiar with DaBaby. 
Matt? I've definitely heard the name. He did something bad. Is he the one that's from Georgia? Because I know Ben was talking about two different babies last time. That's Lil Baby, the one from yeah, Georgia. Yeah, Lil Baby's from here. and Dub Baby oh, is sure. from Charlotte. North Carolina or something, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So um, he's under some uh, scrutiny, to say the least, mm-hmm. because of his comments at the recent Rolling Loud Festival. Um, and I don't know if he's lost any. I think he lost one endorsement, but it was from a company called Boohoo Man. And they they sell men's clothing similar to Fashion Nova. There's a male Fashion Nova. Well, Fashion Nova has their own men's department. Okay, I was like, Boo Man is kind of this in the same the same vein as Fashion Nova. So he lost that endorsement. Um, but here is a clip. I think this is from Billboard. And will they give me an ad first? Yes. <laughs> it's an ad for the show Dave. Anybody watch that? I think Matt, don't you I've watch the first Dave? season? I, I haven't I, seen I any keep, of the new season. I keep meaning to check it out. Uh, I haven't watched any of it, but FX, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, F- so X, I think. Oh, it's extreme. <laughs> yeah. So here's the. Uh, this is from Billboard News. Okay, now it doesn't want to play. <laughs> is set at Rolling Loud, responded to Questlove. Are we watching? DaBaby's not taking criticism sitting down. The Rockstar rapper, who's been called out for the homophobic remarks he made during his set at Rolling Loud, responded to Questlove's condemnation of his words. Taking to his Instagram stories, the rapper shared Quest's IG post from the day before, which criticized his wrong actions. DaBaby responded by saying he doesn't know who The Roots' co-founder is. His response read in part, I ain't even trying to be funny when I say, I do not know who this is, dog, And I do not care about losing you as a fan, my boy. In a follow-up story, DaBaby added, These really think they gone influence people to stop effing in with the influence? He continued, I got to influence and the nuts. Not stopping there, in a third story, he clapped back at all the artists who have spoken up against him in the last week, saying, Y'all extra, tagging along, playing on my top like I'm a, you can bully or something. He continued, going out y'all way, creating artwork and trying to gain fans off my situation cause it's quiet for y'all. After DaBaby shared his response to Questlove, Twitter quickly took him to task for saying he doesn't know who The Roots frontman is. In addition to Questlove's well-respected history and achievements in hip hop, DaBaby has previously performed alongside him twice when he appeared on The Tonight Show in 2019, where The Roots have a permanent gig as the house band. Other artists who have also spoken out against DaBaby for his controversial comments include Madonna, Elton John, Demi Lovato, and his recent levitating collaborator Dua Lipa, who said she was surprised and horrified by DaBaby's comments, adding, I really don't recognize this as the person I worked with. I know my fans know where my heart lies and that I stand 100% with the LGBTQ community. Let's go. Left foot, right foot, levitate. All right, that's enough. Uh, (laughs) So, um, what? This sounds very similar to when, um, well, I mean, I guess Soldier Boy knew who Ice-T was, though, so... Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's what that makes me think of. Like, who are you? And But it's like, 
Like, I mean, like, I don't know. That's like, that, that seems weird. Like, you're, I don't know everybody in music, but I know the influential people. Like, how do you not know who Questlove is, man? I think it's a, been a tactic for... Oh, you think he's just like, doing like it just it, like to it's get... an insult? Okay. Say so who? Who are you? Or you know, because recently there was a, another post um, where I can't remember which member of Bone Thugs and Harmony. I think it was Lazy Bone said that basically he was uh, in a way criticizing the Migos or saying that like their style like kind of came from us, so we should get our credit. It was something like that. Mm. Basically, like, you know, because of us, you know, you have artists like the Migos. So uh, give us our respect or something like that. And then Offset responded with, let's have a bankroll challenge. Oh, like, that's not even what this is about. It's not. But he had to like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about like song for song, bar for bar or the artistry part of it. We're not talking about money. So. Which, sadly, today I don't feel like a lot of people care about the artistry of it. No. It really is just about the money. Um, man, that's messed up. Yeah, I'd heard about this, and what he said was, was pretty messed up. Like, he, like it wasn't like he just said it backstage or something. Like, he shouted it on the mic. It was on stage. During yeah, the show. Just... So, wait, I'm sorry, Matt, what'd you say? Oh, I just said, oh, shit. I did. I thought it might have been like a backstage thing. Like, no, so no, no, people. it wasn't. He was like, put your cell phone lighters up to everybody in here. Who, I think he said who doesn't have HIV. Um, and then he then he made gay comments like, um, put your cell phone lighters up to anyone who's not. Um, we'll just say giving fellatio to other men in the parking lot. Uh, yeah. Um, and some other things. Yeah, it was it was it's pretty messed up what he said. And I mean, <laughs> <laughs> when I saw it, it made me think of that Dave Chappelle. He was like, "Don't mess with the Alphabet Mafia," because <laughs> I was uh, I'm on Twitter, I'm on like you know on all sorts of social media, and like everyone's just going in on him, and like people are coming to his defense. Oddly, people like um, Ti, who I feel like is I, I don't know, like that's just is this the hill you want to die on? You know, um, Ti was like, "Gay people are attacking rappers." No, they're not. They're just see if this is. don't want him to say these things on stage because they're kind of offensive. But can't tell T.I. that. Nope. <laughs> Who the fuck threw that motherfucking busted ass goddamn Adidas? Somebody threw a shoe Put a hand in the air with a cell phone in it and turn the fucking light on. Put a hand in the air with a cell phone in it and turn the fucking light on if you special too. Who the fuck threw that motherfucking... Busted ass, goddamn Adidas. <laughs> that's you? You the leader of the mosh pit? Then open that bitch up, nigga. Don't be no hoe. Before I come do a front up. flip out there on y'all motherfucking ass. Open that bitch up. Rockstar shit. If you a rockstar shit. <laughs> I was trying to find the what he exactly had said, but yeah, it's it's yeah. quoted on like Wikipedia and and everywhere, and it's it's I mean it's dis not so only, not only it's disrespectful to the HIV AIDS community, um, it's also disrespectful to to the LGBTQ plus community, 
um, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where, and I mean, I, I kind of feel like, especially in the in the black community, this is one of those things that's kind of spoken but unspoken. It's just that there's a lot of us who are just very conservative on those views and are not respectful, and it's not cool. I've spoken with with black men who are just like, nah, I ain't with, you know, even down to when Dwayne Wade and um, Gabrielle Union's son or, or well, now daughter, daughter, yeah, and everyone giving them so much crap for letting her be who she wants to be. Just, just none of your business, man. Like we always talk about minding our business. Let's just mind our business. Well, it's also that, you know, these are these are views that are I feel like are passed down generation to oh, generation. Yes. yes. Um you know, very conservative views about um about sexuality, but also using the sexuality mm-hmm. as um, a point to make yourself seem like a better person mm-hmm. and also as the punchline. Yeah. Uh, so I guess none of us really listen to the baby like that. <laughs> but I mean, it's definitely um, it's I'm not I'm not surprised because like even though you would think that the younger artists are on a different are more woke <laughs> are more woke they're on a different wavelength they understand things better because they think they do mm-hmm. no they don't this is you know some rapper probably said this on stage 30 years ago he's 29 years old so i mean he's, he's 29 not, yeah he's only 20 he's 29 i thought he was younger but even still like that's that's a millennial you know and typically people associate millennials with wokeness um yeah. We ain't all woke. <laughs> no. <laughs> Go on TikTok. We're we're not all woke, you know. And also it's a to to hear that some people like someone like T I defend him. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're those guys and they're those black men. Um or pre, or really of any race and this is why this is where kinda like where the term toxic masculinity comes oh, yeah. from where people say things and they know that they are, you are perfectly aware how <laughs> misogynistic or homophobic yeah. or just disrespectful that you're being. But then you try to flip it and say, and try to use the, the free speech yeah. angle or the, I'm just talking, mm-hmm. you know, I'm uh, not politically correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like you knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah. Um, when you said these things mm-hmm. and, and then the, to, to use that when someone, you know, says something like, I don't even know who this is. Like, okay, that's using the insult that you don't know who someone is. It makes you look bad. That makes dude. you look dumb. Yeah. Yeah. That just makes you look dumb. It's like Barack Obama, man, who is that? Like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Like I don't know. Like I just feel like Do you you've know gotta who know. anybody is. You you've got to know who the drummer from one of the more influential hip hop acts in the last. They said he performed with him. Yeah, twice. Like, you've got to know who that is, man. Like that's I don't like. I'm trying to think of the equivalent, like in pop or like a like. I just it's just like I don't know. Especially well, since he's been. Thing, wasn't there a whole thing a few years ago about a bunch of people not knowing who the Beatles were? 
<laughs> That's even funnier. <laughs> I could have swore. I don't know if it was like a survey, some, you know, like BuzzFeed did or something to people. And they're like, do you know who the Beatles are? Or named off like some of the mm-hmm. names of them. Well, I know like, we talked about before how we felt, maybe this was like a year or two ago, how we felt that this generation just doesn't have the same connection to um, the past in terms of music. Well, with I feel like it's with any kind of history. Yeah, yeah. like they just don't. So I'm not, Matt, I would not be surprised um, if that were the case because I'll go on, um, and once again, I'm bringing up TikTok again, but it's it's there's some interesting videos that can really tell you what this generation thinks where there'll be like music challenge they're like you know songs you didn't know were sampled and i kind of feel like at that age at the age of who these people are targeting gen zers you know young gen zers i knew certain songs were sampled like i knew gangsta's paradise was a sample of a stevie wonder song when it came out like, I probably didn't know it, like, right as it came out, but I, you know, I probably found, like, a year in, maybe. Um, and I feel like a lot of these songs, like, they'll play newer songs, and it's like, well, yeah, I knew that was a sample. And be like, oh, dude, I never knew. And it's just like, it's because there's no link to the past. They just don't care. They're only about yeah. the here and the now. And these videos kind of just cemented that for me, that they really don't know. Like, they just... Well, whether it's willful, I mean, I have to assume it's willful because we had less access in our day when we were young to tech, to like information. You know, yeah. everyone has the equivalent of a computer in their pocket. There's really no reason to be ignorant, but we still are. Um, and I know we're only, I'm not going to go into other parts of things, but like with music, we're, we're willfully, you know, no one bothers to say, hey, I heard this song. That sounds cool. Look into it. I, I hear one thing Finn McKinty from the Punk Rock NBA talks about with how, like, you know, the, the the rock gatekeepers and how they don't like Olivia Rodrigo. They're like, oh, you just sound like Paramore. And he's like, well, no, this is good for rock music because people who listen to her will look into her influences. And that's how they'll find out about other music. You know, like, yeah, I was listening to Olivia Rodrigo. She was heavily influenced by Paramore. Now I'm into Paramore. Then I might listen to Paramore and be like, oh, they were heavily influenced by, like, I don't know who they were influenced by, but the, you know, like you, you get the drift there. I yeah. don't know if they will. <laughs> it might just stop with Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> I think part of I'm it is sure also that. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> it may stop there on, because I think a lot of, uh, it's possible how Gen Zers look at artists as they're all original. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about them (laughs) is brand new. So uh, there is like so and it's all brand new and this is what's hot and whatever came before doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it's about right now. I really think that's why the 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 um, the plague of the industry plant is so big as of late, because. I think now, like with with this younger generation being so invested in these artists and their backgrounds, to find out that one part of their background is made up or that they could be a fake or a fraud really affects them. Because like you said, they think that they're completely original and this is the first time anyone like this has done anything like this. And, you know, and (laughs) it's just funny to me because like, (laughs) I don't know, like I kind of see Billie Eilish as like almost like a modern day kind of Tori Amos. But like you probably couldn't tell somebody that everyone everyone Tori who's who? doing 
Yeah, everyone who's doing, <laughs> who's ripping off Billie Eilish, like, oh, Billie was the first. And who's ripping her off is like, you know, no. And it's just like, no. There was this chick in the 90s who was doing, like, very morose music. There was just chick five years before named Lord. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure people have forgotten about her. (laughs) Like, Lord walked so that Billie Eilish could run. Like, we don't get, I don't think we get all of these things without, because, I mean, hell, people are still waiting for her to, I mean, like, I know she's popular and she's been successful, but I think people were expecting from Billie Eilish, from Lord, what we got with Billie Eilish. But yeah, Lord didn't want to be her first two albums were both nominated for Album of the Year. Yeah, Lord didn't want to be that though. She was kind of like, uh, I guess to a certain extent, kind of like an Eddie Vedder who apparently doesn't like being famous. Like she just, I don't, I know that people like my songs and I get it, but like this, I heard a story about how Eddie Vedder was on a beach one day and he heard someone singing Black and he became just disillusioned. Because he never wanted it to be like that. <laughs> he didn't want people singing his song. He was like, the song's even... too personal. Then don't put it on the album, dude. Like, <laughs> don't sing just, it in concert. Like, you just put it on. <laughs> apparently, that's why he refused to do a video. Because the song mm. was just so personal. Um, so, yeah, he just, it was just funny to me. It's like, why did you put, I mean, granted, he didn't know 10 was going to be like that. But it's like, you got to assume someone's going to hear it. You put it on a major label debut. Like, someone's going to hear Black. And it's a great song, and we thank you for it. But it was just, the Lord didn't want to be that. And Billy Eilish is like, thank you, I'll do it, thank you, I'll take it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot about Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, did. man. Um, usually phrase industry plant, and I figured this would be a good segue into. Um, uh, so Lil Nas X put out another video. <laughs> uh, Have y'all the, seen this? Have the, y'all seen this? The the new video yeah. I've seen it. He he is the troll god. He is uh, if nothing else. To quote Kevin, <laughs> I I was talking to Kevin about this once. He's like, I think someone like him is good for music because we've not had that person forever that just shocks you like an Ozzy or an Alice Cooper or a Marilyn Manson, um, especially in rap. I don't think we've ever had it in rap before. And he's not even like. To me, or, or maybe because I'm not shocked by it, like, or like, oh, <laughs> not like that. <laughs> I'm not like shocked in that way, but it's like, whatever he does, it's going to bother people. It's going oh, to yes. trigger people. <laughs> so maybe he's more of the trigger guy, but he, he's, it's, <laughs> it's like he, <laughs> he, he came out as gay and. Then people got mad, and he just leaned more oh, into yes. it. Oh, yes, he leans. He has a TikTok <laughs> with, like, him kissing Shrek. Like, he's just shocked. It's, I mean, but it sells records, so. And then people get mad at that, that it's that people are buying the songs or streaming the songs. And, like, he's just doing this for attention. You gave it to him. <laughs> you gave him the attention anyway. What else is he supposed to do? Like, <laughs> how hard it is to sell a record nowadays? Like. Um, so he, I talked before about the lawsuit and then he had this little teaser of a court case before, (laughs) like that he's going to jail because of those shoes. Oh, goodness. (laughs) He makes a video (laughs) about going to jail. Oh, that's awesome. This is great. And it's the gayest jail (laughs) you may ever see. It's much like nude guys dancing, right? 
Yeah, that, that was one of the scenes where I saw that on like, TikTok. Yeah, that like part. fifteen guys all dancing in the shower, and then here's Jack Harlow. Who oh, has, is he on the song? Yeah. Oh, I love he, Jack Harlow. He has a, a female CO in his cell, uh, but because he, someone joked. Um, uh, so because someone on Twitter like criticized that, like they didn't like how gay the video is. It's it. like, and then you have Jack Harlow with the female CEO, and so they're saying it's like it's now also misogynistic. And you can't win for losing. <laughs> and, then, yeah, and then Jack Harlow he tweeted out like, "Hey, look, this, Lil Nas X like put the story together, and I was happy to be a part of it." And, you know, if he wanted me to be in the dancing in the shower scene, then I would have done it. And then, and then, and then, and then Nas X was like, wait, no, wait, we have to do the video again. Oh, God. I didn't. I didn't why did you tell me? I like, so, I kind of like, I, I love Jack Harlow. He, he's, I got to check this song out now. So it's, um, Alex, so I think it was also co-produced by Kanye West. Who just had a listening party. Uh, so that will be the next segue. <laughs> so uh, we talked about the um, the listening party for um, Kanye's new album, Donda. Uh, it was going to be released at the time of our last episode, but then it got pushed back because he wanted to add a little. Someone said to add a little more magic. <laughs> so. I wonder how he's getting these to streaming services so fast. I guess maybe when you're Kanye West, they'll just do it. But yeah, like I think about how when Life of Pablo came out and they were like, yeah, he's changing it every day, like every day, every week. He's putting up new versions, new mixes, all this stuff. And I'm like, so yeah, like I said, that? the um, the um, the song Industry Baby is co-produced by Kanye West along with uh, Take a Day Trip, which has done almost all of Lil Nas X's stuff. Okay. Uh, I did not know that Jack Harlow is, that's his real name. His name is Jackman Harlow. I was going to say, it sounded like it would just be like he just, like, yeah, that's my, that's his government. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Kanye's coming out with, a, the, it's been pushed back to August 6th. And I think there's going to be another listening party at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on August 5th. Um, Ben, you want to try to go? See if we can get in there? Maybe. I I saw some dude that I I don't follow him, but he, he sneaks into events. You He's, see the vi- the video of the it, he was like he came in like as a photographer. Yeah, he made he photoshopped mm-hmm. the the yeah. pass real quick in his car. <laughs> yeah, he's the same guy who who sneaked into the um the Logan Paul Mayweather fight. And got mm. ringside. Oh, yeah, this guy, one. he does this. Just This is his thing. <laughs> and apparently he's very good at it. Um, but, yeah, I saw that. I don't. I mean, depending on how expensive tickets are and if I ain't got to work, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, because the, the, the shot that I um, – there was this great, great picture of Kanye from the first listening party, and it came from him. Yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> was, I mean, he couldn't have been more than 10 feet from him yeah. to get a picture that good, which is surprising. Um, I guess just you, if you're confident, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a mint, like a modern day Mentos commercial. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because so when I was up in Nashville last weekend, we were just at the house at night. Um, two guys had the um, the the bootleg rip or whatever from of this album from YouTube, and they're just playing it. And I was like, it sounds it sounds good. It sounds like older Kanye. Um, 
and I'm excited to hear it, but it's, it's just funny that like he had like, I mean, is this the world's largest listening party ever at Mercedes Benz? And they're like, everyone just kind of paid to come in and see Kanye just kind of jam out to his own music. But to think that's what a listening party is. <laughs> that's what a listening party is. I mean, it, it won't be that many people, but you play, you, you put on the album mm -hmm. and have conversations about it. Remember MTV mm -hmm. used to do those. Used to so do those he, it was just this time it had 40,000 people yeah. at least in there. Uh, but some people want him to do something a little different if he's having this second one. Maybe play us do us perform a song maybe. I, I, that's what I that, that's the best you can hope for is that he'll perform at least one song uh, from the from the album live. Um, How much are tickets do you know? I think they were like 50 the Ooh, first time around. I don't know. I might have to just hear it on. Spotify. And it was basically, it was like a lottery or something. Oh, like you real? had to go on there and, you know, try to get and get the ticket. And then you, you'll find out where your seat is. I don't know if you can even pick your seat. Especially uh, with that Delta variant. I might have to. <laughs> it, it's out there, man. Um, it is. So uh, also in the album, he has, um, I think he'll have the baby. Uh, mm -hmm. The song's already done, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think Two Chains will be on there. Um, Tyler the Creator, Jay Z has a verse on there, which he apparently did at the last minute for <laughs> before the first listening party, like two hours before. Wow. Okay. Um, it is. And he has a. Uh, I can't remember who who's all on there. I think Pusha T is on there. Um, so some more good music. Are yeah, artists. <laughs> so Twista on there. I I don't think Twista's on there. I should think be, he, he got be. some more um, more Chicago rappers. <laughs> <laughs> Did he go back and get uh, who Consequence? Yes. And, um, <laughs> Rhyme Fest. Oh God. <laughs> in common. I I don't think it's like why is he having it here? Well, because he's born here, but. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Oh, okay. Because he never, I've never felt that he identified with Atlanta. Always Chicago. No, he moved to Chicago when he was like three or something. Yeah, so it's just like, why not Chicago? Why here? Like, <laughs> it was funny on Wikipedia. It has the studios listed as Island Sound in Honolulu. That makes sense. He recorded 808s and Heartbreak yeah, there. He loves all uh, Westlake Ranch in Cody, Wyoming, which, which I know he, he also did. loves that place too. He did Yay. Uh huh. And I think. Uh, what was the previous album? Not Life of Pablo. I think he did Life of Pablo there and Jesus is King. Okay. So he, he did those there, at least in, in part. And then it also has Mercedes-Benz Stadium listed as a studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking for, like, I you know, I, I'm, I look forward to hearing new Kanye as far as his new music. Mm -hmm. I, the old Kanye is not coming back. No, this is the old Kanye. This is the closest we'll get to old Kanye is whatever new stuff he's coming. He out broke with. up with Kim. <laughs> it's happening. It's no. Mm -mm. I want another all of the lights. That's what I, I want. Another I want another all of the lights. Another power. Um, I want another my beautiful dark twist with fantasy. I want another. Um, why can't I think of the song? Here's a toast to the douchebags. Runaway. Run away. I want another, yeah, I want more of that. Um, but yeah, maybe we won't. And there, it. and there might be a, a second, a sequel to Watch the Throne. I don't think that's 
really going to happen. I don't know if that's needed. Everyone wants it, but I mean. Well, I think people want it now because they're cool now. They're cool again. Who, Jay-Z and Kanye? Yeah. Jay-Z's cool again? I mean, like, they're cool with each other. Oh, I was like, I don't, I can't imagine, like, younger people being like, yeah, hey, Shiva Izzo. Like, they don't really know Jay-Z like that. Like, they don't. They shouldn't. He they oh, call they don't not a fan. <laughs> they don't call him Jay Z. They call him Beyonce's husband. Yeah, they probably do. Or Blue Ivy's dad. That's even worse. Oh Lord, <laughs> <laughs> who's your daddy? Like, um, be fun. Did you know Blue Ivy's father yeah. was like a really famous rapper back in the day? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like really? Yeah, like he was like like really good or something. Like I don't know. He called himself the greatest of all time. He it's kept from, comparing himself to this basketball player named Michael Jordan. It's from Brooklyn. What's this, Brooklyn? This guy who makes shoes. I don't know if he's really a basketball player. <laughs> oh, God. Player. No, no, that's what's even sadder. That Michael Jordan will be known as a dude that designs shoes. And he doesn't he even design the, the shoe. And he owns the Hornets. It's <laughs> just his name is on it. It's like, yeah, man, that shoemaker, Michael Jordan, like, son, let me sit down and tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Matt coming on his. Do you still have your 45 jersey, Matt? <laughs> Yeah, I do. <laughs> Come on, your forty-five jersey. <laughs> like he took some time off, but he came back and it was he was still as good. You know, it's just <laughs> good times, man. Good times. Uh, let's look at the charts here. Um, I have a feeling Billie Eilish <clears throat> is going to be all over these. Oh, yeah, because she just dropped that record, didn't she? Uh, or maybe next week because I think the album came out yesterday. I think. But let's look at the uh, Hot 100. Number one, uh, back to number one this week. (laughs) It was number seven last week, but Butter by BTS is Uh, back to number one. Yeah, I saw that post on her page. Number two, Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo. Number three, Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring the baby. So this might be the Morgan Wallen effect. (laughs) Helping out this song. Uh, number four, Stay by The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Number five, Kiss Me More, oh, Doja so Cat featuring SZA. Number six, Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. Let's stop here for a second. So, Ben, uh, you, you texted me a couple of days ago about this song. Yeah, the wife played it, so, you know. I watched the, I listened to the song. I mm-hmm. tried to watch the video. Uh, and then I, I sent you that quote. Yeah, it was like a throwaway weekend song or something. Yeah, basically. It's a throwaway song (laughs) for the weekend. And he's stealing his whole whole steeds as far as how the weekend was dressed for for the After Hours album. Mm -hmm. Ed Sheeran is doing the same thing. The weekend had on a a red suit with a black shirt and tie. Mm -hmm. Ed Sheeran has on a pink suit with a white shirt. And he's... Uh, frolicking like a vampire because he's British you know that's just that's how the British do things you know oh they just be copying I don't know imitation (laughs) is of course the highest form of flattery and of course there was the one critic who said that he is the most important artist in black music so maybe he's trying to you know live up to that oh it's a uh, the independence Adam White was less impressed giving the stilted comeback two out of five stars and saying Sheeran was letting the top lines do the work and rummaging through <clears throat> Abel Tesfaye's leftover, leftovers. Abel Tesfaye is the weekend. And the top <laughs> lines being the people who um, write the melody, which I, I don't know if he writes his melodies. I assume he does, but 
essentially that's what a top liner does. You come in and you might not even write lyrics, but you'll just like hum a melody and then someone comes behind you and writes lyrics. Sometimes you write lyrics, but yeah, there's there's some very su- successful, famous top liners out there. You, apparently you can make pretty good money doing it, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, yeah. Uh, <laughs> number uh, seven, it was number one last week, so they knocked themselves out of the top spot again. <laughs> Permission to Dance by BTS. Number eight, Montero, Call Me By Your Name by Lil Nas X. Number nine, Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo. And number 10, Save Your Tears by The Weeknd <laughs> and Ariana Grande. Uh, Matt, I wanted to show you something real quick because I texted this to Ben the other day. Do you recognize this man? Yes, I do. I know exactly. <laughs> oh, you seen it? I was blown oh, yeah. away. Have you seen the edit to it? No, no I, I haven't. It, I think today. Uh, I have it on my phone, actually. Let's see if I, I can show you the edited edits. one. <laughs> he posted it to his stories earlier. I think, yeah, today. Let's see if I can get it to focus. <clears throat> I'm not gonna be able to see it though. Oh, too close! <laughs> too close to Dylan. Yeah, um, it's freaking awesome. For those who are yeah. are listening oh, yeah, to the ben's podcast, um, the picture that I showed is of Fred Durst, uh, the front man from Limp Biscuit, and the edit that has been made it 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 kind of expanded on the Fu Manchu that he is sporting <laughs> <laughs> in a very cartoonish way. I don't it's think Danny it's a DeVito. bad look. Um, I mean, he uh, he looks distinguished, like he's got longer hair, but it's kind of like he he looks like someone's father, you know. It's not his hair. Oh, it's a wig. It's a wig. Oh yeah. Oh, he's bald. Oh. He's bald as fuck. Oh, I didn't know. He, I thought oh, yeah, he was he, like bald by choice, you know. Yeah. No, I think he lost like most of it. Oh, that sucks. I feel you though, bro. Right there with you, man. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like someone's stepfather named like Chet. Yeah, like he's you know he's very <laughs> responsible and. Well, have you? Do either of you follow his Instagram? No, I don't know. He pretty much only posts photos of old station wagons with like the wood panels. I think I heard that on that um, on that sixty <laughs> songs that explain the nineties or something like that. That he that yeah mm-hmm. they're like he only posts like old cars on on his Instagram. It's it's. it's I don't even think it's just old cars. It's like that one specific type of car. Oh, he changed it. He deleted all of them now. Oh, but his profile picture is one of those uh, station wagons with the wood paneling. Those are awesome. What's his name? Is he just Fred Durst? Yeah. I'm giving him a follow now. Because that's in Oh, yeah, he did delete a lot of them. He's only got three photos now. And I see one of them is of the Fu Man, or two of them are the Fu Manchu. Yeah, you should yeah, go to his story. Wig. You should be able to see it. My oh, no, never mind. Just sported kidding. a Fu Manchu for many years. No, he's got a picture with Mark Rebelay, though. Yeah, he does. The stories. That's awesome. Curious to see what, if that's going to end up being a collaboration. Because <laughs> they also, on that podcast, I also talked about his his movie career. I didn't know he was directing. I thought I he was he just directed uh, the movie with Ice Cube and Kiki Palmer called the long shots really he directed she, that yeah like fred durst direct- fred durst directed that whoa okay i that was like a major release yeah okay so why is he acting in movies about towns where if you someone comes you gotta, gotta kill somebody somehow man like that movie was awful 
it was entertaining, but it was awful. Like it was. And they can't all be singers, man. Might have been a passion project. <laughs> if that was a passion project. <laughs> uh, let's look at the Billboard. Didn't he direct that too, though? I don't know, Sorry. but now I'm gonna try to find out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Pull up his IMDb. <laughs> yes. See what he, what else he's directed. I'm sure if I went to the wiki, it would just say the long shots, and then like some other movie I've never heard of. I'm looking this up now. <laughs> so while Ben pulls that up, we'll go to the um, the Billboard 200. These are the albums debuting at number one. Faith, uh, posthumous release from Pop Smoke. Number two, debuting at number two, Sob Rock by John Mayer. Number three, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Number four, Planet Her by Doja Cat. Number five, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. (laughs) Number six, The Voice of the Heroes by Lil Baby and Lil Dirk. Number seven, Hall of Fame by Polo G. Number eight, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. I'm sure she's being helped by the the baby controversy. Number nine, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. And number 10, <clears throat> Inside the Songs by Bo Burnham. Uh, let's pull up the Artist 100. Number one this week is BTS. They have the number one song. Knock themselves out of the top spot with another song. Number two, Olivia Rodrigo. Number three, uh, he was unranked last week, of course, but he has a new album. And he has only been on this chart for a total of eight weeks in the history of the chart. And that is John Mayer. Wow. I I guess he he's kind of low-key, though. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. The, Your Body's a Wonderland was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Pop Smoke. Number five, Doja Cat. Number six, The Weeknd. Number seven, Dua Lipa. Number eight, Luke Combs. Number nine, the most influential artist in black music, Ed Sheeran. And number 10, Justin Bieber. Matt, have you heard Sob Rock? Have you heard any of it yet? Yeah, I listened to, I think, all of it. I've I've Um, checked out some of it. I um, I was disappointed to say at least but not like entirely you're not into it's the, just, I think the I was 80 sounding the 80 sounding pop well rock? that's the thing is i feel like the only 80 sounding song on that whole album was the single like last train mm-hmm. oh and oh, then i guess new yeah. light i didn't think he was gonna include new light yeah new honest. light came out so long ago yeah it's um, like a two-year-old but song because of those i thought the album was gonna be more along those lines like that feel maybe mm-hmm. some you know up more upbeat stuff but pretty much every other song in there is slow and mm. kind of boring in my opinion i i was just expecting something different i'm not gonna say it's bad i shouldn't i just don't like it gotcha but with a title <laughs> named sob rock i should not have been that surprised <laughs> yeah you were supposed to listen to it and cry i wonder who he wrote this one about has he dated anyone recently mm. not that i know of yeah well definitely know. not Katy perry Nah, not since they did that song together a few years back and then they broke up. But I think he did some stuff about her on um on those folk albums he did, which the names are escaping me now. But, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so um, that will. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Got ahead of myself a little bit. 
So we wanted to introduce a new segment, oh. <laughs> trying to bring our bring some segments back to the podcast. So uh, if you listen to the last episode, there was this conspiracy on TikTok that Post Malone is just Justin Bieber pitched down. <laughs> you can see a, a little clip of that on our Instagram. So uh, I asked Ben to uh, see to dig up another conspiracy that he may or may not have found on TikTok, if not Reddit. Then um, we'll kind of uh, discuss whether we're serious or not <laughs> <laughs> uh, about the with the conversation, but about uh, if the um, if the conspiracy could be true. All right. So this one. I've actually heard before, and you're probably going to be surprised I'm bringing this up, Matt, because I don't talk about this band much. But um, this is the conspiracy that Paul McCartney is actually dead, that he died in 19. Let's see here. What's the year? I think it was 1966. So he got killed in a car crash back in 1966 and was replaced with an alternate Paul McCartney that has been living as Paul McCartney to this day. Is this conspiracy going to just <laughs> go on to, like, any person they could think of? Because the same thing about Avril Lavigne. I have heard that about Avril Lavigne, yes. And then there was another one I heard recently, and I can't remember who it was. Well, ben showed me earlier uh, Brandon Flowers from The Killers. Yeah. Is it, The oh. original one is dead, and it's just this, this clone-looking Brandon Flowers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this one basically came up. So it says that he died in a car crash. Um, and the band replaced him with an imp- with an imposter. Um, the proof is supposed to be in was it Abbey Road? Yeah, the the cover, the cover of Abbey of Road. Yeah, where um, <clears throat> uh, George is be- the grave digger. Yeah, um, Ringo is the preacher, and John is the angel, and Paul is dead because he has on no shoes. Yeah. So if you look at the was cover, this also, was this also the same album where everyone's like, "Yeah, if you play, play it backwards, backwards play it so yeah, it says like I am dead." Yeah, I think it's uh, I am the walrus. Hold on, let me see if I can. Yeah, I believe it's I am the walrus. If you play it backwards, you're supposed to be able to hear it. Um, I thought it was funny. It, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think he's dead. Um, no, I don't think you can just find another person to write those songs. <laughs> but then again. Maybe they were like, oh, we'll just hire somebody. Get, like, Burke Bacharach in here. He'll, he'll keep writing songs for us. <laughs> Maybe that's why Wings' song sounded different. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so this is, yeah, but this one's, I, I just thought it was funny just because it's it's gone on forever. I think to this day he still has to, like, address it and deal with it. It'll get brought up every now and then. Just, and it'll be in the dumbest way. I'm sure people just walk up to him and like, Paul, is that really you? You're not dead? Touch his face like the kid from Hook. <laughs> it is you. <laughs> um, let's see if there's any more about the Paul's dead angle. Okay, so yeah, like you said, with the... the uh, the Paul is dead theory... And it start somehow that started in America. It would, <laughs> of course. Oh, also, not only is 
like the way George is dressed as the grave digger, mm-hmm. Ringo is the preacher, John is the angel, and Paul has on no shoes, he's also out of step with the other guys. So that means he's dead. <laughs> of course, duh. It's so simple. I don't know why I didn't see it before. <laughs> oh, and someone else see other things people have said. McCartney is left-handed, and he's holding a cigarette in his right hand, which means he's an imposter. Uh, the Volkswagen on the street, the license plate says 28IF, 28IF, meaning that McCartney would have been 28 if he, he had lived, yeah. and he was 27 at the time of the photo. It's like, who puts, who goes to <laughs> the lengths to put these sorts of things <laughs> <laughs> like he's dead. Let's give our people. Let's give our fans clues, <laughs> so they can figure it out. No. Um, so yeah, this is probably one of the more, um, the more one. It's, uh, the photo itself is one of the more imitated uh, ever, and people actually go to Abbey Road to um, recreate that picture. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know how it's. I don't know. I feel. I. I feel like there's that. That should be like some kind of tourist attraction. Like to make like that. You could have made a lot of money. Someone could have made a lot of money just uh, <laughs> charging people to do that. Yeah. You probably. I mean, I guess technically, if you're a photographer and someone's like, like you, you have a wedding near there or something. Someone's like, oh, we want to recreate it. You can make money that way, but as a tourist trap where you're like pay 10 bucks to walk across the Abbey road intersection and we'll take your picture. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll even like make it look old, like the album cover. Um, shit, that might be something I moved to, to where's Abbey road. Is that in London? Yes. I feel like I should know that. (laughs) (laughs) If I were more of a Beatles fan or a Beatles fan at all, I would probably know that, but. I am not, so I'm sorry, guys. Okay. So, like, I've let a lot of people down. <laughs> we, we, there are a couple of episodes. If you listen, people who listen to the podcast, you know, uh, we're good. we need to have episodes in which there's, like, a super fan of the Beatles. And just I just want to have that person argue with Ben about how great <laughs> the Beatles are while he just tries to dispute everything. Uh, another artist on that list is Beyonce. Like, no, John didn't write anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, w- I respect them. I mean, I respect everything they've done. I mean, I'd be a fool not to. I mean, they're to this day, you can still hear their influence in writing. You, you, I can say that. Is there a third artist, like very popular artist that you're Radiohead. That should be easy to find. <laughs> but I, but the thing is, like, actually, it's funny. Like, I don't dislike Radiohead. I just think their fans are pretentious. Oh, incredibly pretentious. Like, I don't, and I feel like that's a fair statement, as Matt just backs me up here. I think it's a fair <laughs> statement. Like, their fans, like, they're a good band, but their fans think that they are the second coming. Yeah. And it's just like, OK Computer was over 20 years ago. Kid A was about 20 years ago. Everything else that they've done since then, you could maybe argue is mediocre. I mean, and you could honestly say, how good was OK Computer? See, I'll defend that album. I think that album's actually really good. But I love. Whole, I, I like about. I like. I just. Not that great. Yeah, 
like it's yeah, their fan, their fans. Are, I mean, that spin article, the spin cover is like Radiohead is not as good as you think they are. <laughs> it was just yeah. awesome. Um, so yeah, I would uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be an interesting discussion. Just that album in general, because their their fans are like pretentious and they're pretty defensive too. Hmm. Which yeah. is funny to me but because usually like, people that are really really back something like that are gonna be that way. Yeah, it makes me think of a lot of like SEC football fans. <laughs> which I, which comes up all the time, especially with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, and hearing some of their fans be like, "Wow, them." I'm like, I don't think you guys realize, like, Texas football is more popular than your entire conference. Like, Texas football is like, which is funny because they're not that good. Which is funny, and they they're just still think popular. They are. Yeah, like they have their own network. <laughs> Yeah. It's not like you have the SEC network. They got the Longhorn network. They have the Longhorn network, not the Big 12 network, the Longhorn yeah. network. Like, Texas is so big. Like, everyone's like, oh, man, Alabama's big because there's, like, nothing else in Alabama. They've got two pro teams in Texas. <laughs> two. It's still about And Texas. one of them is the most storied franchise in the history of the NFL. It's and still it's about still about te- Texas. Like, it's still, like... Let the let the let the Cowboys try to play <laughs> on the same night as as the Longhorns. Like they don't do that. Jerry knows. On a smaller scale, that's how it is in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. Like they, if, they still if you, care more if about people had to Packers. choose between the Saints and LSU. They're oh. going to see LSU. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I do think it's funny. Yeah. That's a it's a good comparison, man. SEC, SEC. You know the people who do that. Georgia fans. Yeah. University of Georgia fans chant the SEC like, your team last won a championship 40 years ago. Yeah. It's funny because that entire conference is being drugged by, like, what, two or three teams maybe? But not going to get there because I don't want the SEC um, beehive to come after me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's not the same as the beehive. Anyway. They scare me. (laughs) Uh, That'll do it for our music news. Um Ben, while I get it, make sure I have it queued up here. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your earworm of the week. All right. So it was going to be a song that I heard like a lot in Nashville, but I, I just can't do that to our BTTYHD earworms playlist. So it's not going to be that. I'll talk about that later, though. But um, give you my heart. I was on um, TikTok because I just I spend way too much time on there. Um, and yes. it was the prompt. <laughs> it was like, uh, what soundtrack was an absolute banger? And it was the Boomerang soundtrack. Now, I'm going to admit, I haven't seen Boomerang. Go watch Boomerang. I put it on my, I I added it to my watch list immediately, but I knew all the songs. Just to look at Halle Berry. Yeah, I heard she looks really good in that movie. Which is funny, though, because, like, what, Robin Givens is the love interest, right? Well, she's the, she's, well, Halle Berry, they're both the love interest. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that was back. She was in her prime, boy. Oof. Um, that, but, that was kind of the end of the Robin Givens run, really. Oh, that's sad. As far as like the popularity, because you know, so was that people were more fans Blank of. Man? That was right before Blank Man was the end, in my opinion. <laughs> Blank Man's the end. The greatest movie ever. <laughs> yeah, people. Everyone but, needs to see that. Movie. I agree, but man. People are more fans of Mike Tyson, so. That's why Robin uh, Gibbons kind of fell off. <laughs> that's sad. Mm. That's sad. Yeah, Blank Man is just 
Yeah, I, I will tell anyone who has not seen Blank Man, like, go watch it right now. It is it is brilliant. Hands down the best yeah. superhero movie ever like made. It's ever made. Bef- it's before it's time. Ever made. Like, it's one of those movies that has aged really well. And I think that the sorts of movies that people, especially when they start making those parody movies, that did it so well. Like, yeah. it, it didn't take itself seriously. Like, it was, it was kick-ass before kick-ass. The, they had the comic book <laughs> motif. Yeah, but they didn't mm-hmm. like overdo it. He's like and a poor Tony Stark. <laughs> it was actually, and it was. It's a lot darker than you realize. Yeah, the fact that they. Yeah. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, no, there is there's some Blank dark Man moments. Is a, is a dark movie. There's some there are some pretty dark moments in that movie, um, where if you didn't have the comedic, the comedy in there, you just be like, this is really depressing. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> um, but yeah, it follows like the the perfect arc for like the. The origin story of a superhero going from like, you know, becoming the superhero, getting the fame, having it, the conflict, and then coming out. Yeah, look at it. It's yeah. kind of like if. It's like if uh, Batman had Spider Man's origin. Yeah. Without, okay, I can see that. Like Batman's powers, but the Spider Man origin. Yeah, where he's like poor living in new york (laughs) yeah i could see that yeah that's actually i wouldn't be surprised knowing how they write if maybe they were thinking that yeah because like them with them going on to do like scary movie and stuff like that i mean essentially they're just like taking five or six different movies and combining the plot so i wouldn't be surprised if it was like yeah what if like peter parker were black and lived in the hood and (laughs) or bruce man was lived in the hood and he had no money and like (laughs) Oh god, that's a bread. I've got. I, I I don't know if there's a Blu-ray release, but if there is, I have it on DVD. I love a Blu-ray Blu-ray release, but that's not what I'm here talking about. <laughs> um, this is from the Boomerang soundtrack, which they played a few songs. I knew most of them, but I didn't know this one. Give you my heart, uh, Babyface and Tony Braxton, who oh, I started is, seeing a lot on social media. This was. Uh this is what the introduction to Tony Braxton. This this is oh, Babyface introducing Tony Braxton. So were they a thing? Were they a couple at no. one point? Because I saw a lot of videos that insinuated like that they had some chemistry or that something was going on there. He 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 was like because he's married, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. But just like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis mm-hmm. with Janet Jackson, that was his it's Babyface and Tony Braxton. Yeah, he same way. It seems like he did everything for her, but yeah, some people are just like, yeah, here they are they're together, looking happy, and I'm like, whoa, just something I didn't know <laughs> about their relationship. Um, they might have hooked up, but we'll And another know. side note, too, there was a really good video I saw of Boys to Men and Babyface just, like, in some room playing Water Runs Dry. And, like, you mm. got, like, I think Sean Stockman's playing guitar. I think Wanya might be filming because you see him poke his head in every now and then, but you hear him singing. I think Nathan's playing bass. And then Babyface is playing on a Telecaster, which that is just my sign. I need to get a Telecaster. He's playing a Telecaster, and they're just all jamming and singing and harmonizing. And I was just like, man, this is what you do. But they all look old, and it made me feel bad because, like, Babyface is graying. All of them are graying. I was like, jeez, man, that's my childhood right there, man. <laughs> Everyone's yeah, graying. They're, they're all over 50, and Babyface is in his 60s, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. But it was it was a cool video. So I've, I've been all about some Babyface this week because I – also watch his Guitar Center video, so, yeah. All right, so this is Give You My Heart, Tony Braxton and Babyface from a Boomerang soundtrack, and we'll be right back. 
jump back into going live. Um, the uh, a, a breaker tripped from our super secret location, <laughs> so um, we've got everything going here. So we're back. All right. So uh, what you heard, what you were listening to before, if you were listening, well, whichever way. Um, Give You My Heart, Tony Braxton and Babyface from Boomerang Soundtrack. That is on our BTT YHT Airworms playlist right now. So we are back live here. Um, this is, I guess, part two. I just saw our new video, of course. Uh, but if you're listening on the podcast, it's as if nothing happened. Ooh. <laughs> so... Um, we started the this episode with the song "Without You" uh, by um, this uh, artist um, out of College Park, Georgia. Oh man, that's a throwback. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> oh man, that almost struck my water there. That's an even <laughs> further throwback. <laughs> so uh, we talked about this before. Uh, ben has made an album, and. Uh, want to discuss the recording process you know there are a lot of people out there you know you probably just associate um like like rappers can just get an album made if they spend the money or something or or some people know how to play a whole bunch of instruments and they know how to to get things done and like they make it seem like it's such an easy process <laughs> but i've known ben for almost 20 years now and Jesus, <laughs> I'm sorry, trying not to make you sound too old, but um, this is something that he w- I, I'm, I'm happy that he was finally able to accomplish. And uh, he's already thinking about doing the next one. But we're going to talk about this first <laughs> one first. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I thought it could be like a track by track commentary like you see on Spotify. <laughs> But maybe we shouldn't do it like that. Um, but I'll just have, you know, a couple of questions or anything. So, yeah. Um, and we have Matt on here because I, I don't, I'm not sure what credit you gave him for the album as a um, co-producer or co-producer, um, artistic advisor, direction advisor. Um, I, you can't really I guess if I made a Wikipedia page, I could do it because I don't have like liner notes on a digital release. But um, so. And I guess I don't. I, this might make you cry, Matt. So, buckle in. Um, <laughs> no, so for real. So I mean, I was thinking about this on the drive over too. It was like you know, um, God, going back to when I first saw Matt play at the Mellow Mushroom, and for some reason I swore oh, wow. he played. Um, <laughs> he played Hotel California note for note. He was like, Nah, dude, I don't know how to play that song note for note. I just was riffing. I was just playing a solo but i've been i've i've loved matt as a guitar player ever since well when he joined token white i remember like every time like and i guess the 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 moral story here is like every time i've seen matt kind of go to another level like shit i gotta step my game up like when he joined token white i had like some piece of shit um marshall combo amp um and a watchburn guitar it was what i had you know i thought i was doing something and then Matt comes in with like this Paul Reed Smith <laughs> and a Mesa Boogie. And I remember we were playing Smells Like Teen Spirit. And he comes in like with that nice ass distortion from that Mesa. And I'm like, shit, that's time my game up. Um, <laughs> so when I was doing, I started, you know, 
this kind of started out as just like a, I want to try out some things. And, and I was, you know, I was working in FL studio for a little bit, went to Matt was like, Hey, what's a good digital audio workstation that won't break the bank. He suggested Reaper. He was like, look in the Reaper. It's really good. I looked in the Reaper. They have like a 90 day trial or something like that. Something ridiculous where you can just try it out and really, you know, really kind of get in there. And I tried it out and I liked it. So I started using Reaper. I bought it. It was like less than a hundred bucks and just kind of started going in and trying. Cause it's different. Like, you know, with FL studio, FL studio is all about, um, loops and MIDI. Um, you can use MIDI and Reaper, but like the emphasis on MIDI and, and, um, FL studio versus like FL studios made for is making beats. Um, you can record in there, but more often than not, most people do what I did when I had Sony acid and I would just take my beats from, um, Fruity from FL Studio and just like render them and bounce them over to something else to record in. Um, I tried recording a couple of tracks in, in FL Studio, but it's just not made for that. It's just not conducive. Much easier in Reaper, which had a very similar interface to Sony Asset, which I was used to. So I started, you know, recording and didn't know anything about anything. Like I just was like, I have this interface. I'm going to plug in some stuff. I knew about like Amplitude. That was about as far as I got <laughs> an easy drummer. And so I would just like, you know, throw stuff in there and, and maybe program a fake bass or something like that if I could from like FL Studio. And like I would send it to Matt and Matt was like, he was cool. Like he could have been a dick. He could have been like, yeah, this is crap. But he just said stuff like, hey, man, you ever think about EQ in the track? <laughs> and I was like, no, I never thought about that. And so like. As I kind of started learning how to record, which is why I wanted him a part of this, you know, of this podcast, like he was, he kept, kept nudging me along the way, like saying, hey, try this, try that. And like giving really good feedback and like, hey, yeah, now you're getting it. Now this, like, try this, try this. Um, and so when I decided that, hey, I think I want, and this was like maybe last summer, I was like, I think I want to try to put together like a full album. I don't know if it's going to be an EP or an LP or what, like. Who did I go to to get advice and help? I went to Matt because <laughs> he, you know, he'd been really supportive and like given a lot of really great advice and feedback that had gotten me to the point of where I even thought about, you know, recording and recording it and thinking I could possibly do it. Um, and the first song that he mixed and mastered was Wonder because I was like, hey, man, you think you might want to throw down a solo for it? Because I'm not a good guitar player. I'm I'm passable. Um you know, that's, there's a reason why anytime I play it in a band, and I don't know if people know this, like Matt and I, that's how Matt and I kind of met. Like we met through the, the, uh, Carrollton music scene, um, mm -hmm. as illustrious as it is. <laughs> <laughs> fabled. Yeah. The fabled Carrollton music scene, um, playing in bands together. And like, he's, you know, he's the guitar player I play with the most. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm accustomed to how he does things and I mean like I ain't afraid to say he's always been better than me that's why he played lead and I was just like I'll play some chords and you know hold down the low end but um I was like hey you want to take a crack at the solo Matt being the modest guy that he is he, he put together a solo and when me and Kevin listened to it, we're like this is a pretty damn good solo um I think we're just like just tweak a couple of parts at the beginning and like the ending like that guitar screamed and I mean like it sounded good man like but like the main thing was like when he sent me back the mix, there was a lot of things I was listening to. I was like, I never thought about doing this. Like he had guitars like 
panned left and right, and it, it, it just, it once again, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, I got to step my game up once again. Like, I didn't, yeah, so, like, I just, I, and I don't know if I ever told you this, Matt, but I listened to that mix day and night, trying to figure yeah. out what it is that you did. <laughs> Just like, I didn't know that. yeah, like seriously, like I was, Kendra probably got sick of it. Like I listened to it so much, like in the car, I'm listening at <laughs> night when I'm in bed. I, I never realized how much she could hear. She's just like, you listen to that song again? Like, <laughs> 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 like I'm just listening like, oh, he did this. Oh, okay. He did like just literally like breaking every single thing down. So I don't think I could have continued making this if not listening to the mixes that you did and and all the advice and feedback that you gave so like i mean if if there were liner notes you'd you'd be one of the first thank yous like i don't think this gets made without that direction yeah like i said you might cry i don't know but like it's like yeah i mean like i know in terms of some of the things that we and i imagine this was how like you know when you i remember you and chris talking about how like you guys would mix sunset stuff and red tide stuff i know there's probably some things we're just like you would have done differently as a drummer i just like loud snares i don't know why <laughs> oh this is matt this is matt right here abe gave you a shout out man abe really likes this solo oh really yeah he was like who played the solo on wonder i was like matt he was like all right matt do your thing because <laughs> you so what did you play on this one uh the guitar yeah what guitar uh, the Telecaster I have that I don't even know brand or anything. It's like, um, you remember that white SG I had? Yeah. I traded it to a guy on Craigslist for this Telecaster he had. And uh, when I met up with him, he was like, hey man, he's like, yeah, we'll trade it. He's like, but uh, just so you know, it's, he's like, it's made in Japan, but... There's no markings that say it, <laughs> so I can't prove it. I was like, it doesn't matter, man. This is a Craigslist swap. Like, I don't give a fuck. I don't want this guitar. I want the one you have in your hand. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, like, you, as of late, because I, I, I think I got that Telecaster. I, I got it shortly shortly after we did the Rock Boat. So it was probably, like, 2013 or 2014 or so. And... Uh, Never really touched it, but then mm-hmm. last like few years, I've really started gravitating toward it, especially when recording stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which I might give a little credit to Jimmy Page for that when I found out that he almost solely recorded Led Zeppelin songs on the Telecaster. Really? Forms of Les Paul. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You so heard it I, here first. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of give credit to that. I want because I was curious because I always played all my other ones, and you know. It is what it is. It's nice sound, whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. I never gave the Telecaster a shot. So, knowing that you liked Telecasters and you know uh, Stratocasters <laughs> too, when I started recording all the takes for that solo, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna use this Telecaster. <laughs> I was like, Ben would appreciate it. <laughs> That's gonna be my next guitar. Is gonna be a Telecaster. I don't know when. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. That, yeah, that thing screamed, man. Like it. It sounded so good. Um, yeah, no, that, yeah, that, yeah, I'm sure. And she just called me cause she's in new Orleans and I got to pick her up in the morning from the airport. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure she got annoyed with how much I listened to it, but she was supportive through the whole process. Cause, um, I was just listening to myself a lot, <laughs> <laughs> trying to, you know, um, 
trying to figure out how I wanted this thing to sound. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like I like I said, like your your kind of influence is really all over this record in terms of the things I did and like, allowing things space. I know that's one thing you said when we were talking about the recording. Uh, we were talking about the album. Um, the Billy Idol album. Oh, God. Rebel Yo. Yeah, and you just use the term like, yeah, you got to give things space. Like that concept is um, underrated, you could say, in, in some cases, especially if, you know, someone yeah. who's new to this and I was leaving everything center of the mix <laughs> just because yeah. I didn't know you would do that. But then when I started hearing it, I couldn't unhear it. Um, and then, you know, I remember when you texted me about the double vocals, I think. Yeah. As you started, you did it in one of your songs and I made a comment you're like, yeah, I didn't know that that was a thing. (laughs) Like I, it was, it was one of those things like, Like, Oh, like it helps, it helps you hear more. Yeah. So learning how to mix that in and, and, and because I'm such a, uh, I'm using manager word or kinesthetic learner. Um, I like to learn things by doing so. I can like someone can tell me like you could essentially like put something in front of me and just be like, hey, um, you know, here's a here's a little bit of direction. But like you need to do this. I'm going to want to tinker until I get it. Um, Yeah. Which is why. And I mean, I feel like I'm kind of giving people something to listen for. You can kind of hear on certain songs. The mixes get better. (laughs) The mixes (laughs) and the mastering get better for certain songs until you get to like the last song I recorded was the dreamer and you. That was the last song I did. I wasn't going to put it on there. Um, that's one of those songs where, like, and I know it's my first record, but, like, damn, have I, I've been playing that song for, like, a really long time. <laughs> and I was kind of annoyed with it, but, like, everyone likes it. It's a song. It's one of those songs where, like, I know it like the back of my hand. So it didn't take, I recorded it in a day, really. Um, I do. And I knew exactly. Let's play it. Yeah, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with every single part because I knew the song so intimately. Um, so yeah, it didn't take long. It was a very quick process going in and laying down the laying down like you know the guitar parts and like programming the keyboards. Um, it was a very very quick process, and I imagine and this is the reason I want to keep doing this because like I finally now feel like I've. Like I'm not the perfect producer. I'm not. I'm not Tom Lord Algy. I'm not him. I'm not Butch Vig. But like, I know my way around. I know my way around my effects. I know how to get the sounds that I want. I've got chains and everything, and it's just made the process a lot easier. And now I just really want to be like, okay, I can finally get what I like. This is the. This is the. And I went back and did some work on all of them, but this is the one song where, like, the way I heard it in my head is exactly how it came out. Down to, like, nice. the guitar and the piano, the background loop that I put in the, um, in the after the solo. Like, this is the song that, like, this is how I want everything to sound moving forward. Outside of, you know, the electronic influences I'm, I'm feeling right now. Because really, I wanted to call it Schizophrenic Part 2. Because, like, it's not as diverse as J.C. Shazay's album, but, like, the first song that we played to open this thing does not sound like this song. (laughs) And I was afraid to do that because I wrote that song for a woman to sing. It was initially up, like, two steps. Like, it's in the key of, I think it's in G. I think I originally wrote it in, like, B-flat. 
but I couldn't find a woman oh, wow. to sing it. So like I just transpo- transposed it down <laughs> um, and wrote some lyrics to it. And yeah, so. But this one, yeah, this one's an old one, man. This is, this is, and that is not me playing guitar. Um, that's a uh, someone on Fiverr charged me like thirty bucks. Oh, yeah. I nice. wish I wish I was that good. I could, and I'm not even gonna say that. Like, I'm just not good at writing solos. I do have two solos on the record that I played. Um, one with uh, a little bit of twin guitar leads. Um, very like for like a bar. It's nothing special. It's not like some like Iron Maiden <laughs> shit here. <laughs> and the other one is a solo to close out a song um, that I struggled with like for a long time to play. <laughs> um, so with this song. Songs that I I know you well, of course you know about the dreamer and you. Yeah, uh, that's like a 15, 16 year old song. Yeah, that um, was. Uh, I mean, it was. It's one of those. It's an. I mean, it's a breakup song. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the song that Abe said he would set me up with a woman that I fell in love with and and break my heart to write another one <laughs> 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 because he liked it so much. Um, it's funny. There's a YouTube video out there of me playing this at Smith's Old Bar that he he recorded, and like midway through, you hear him singing. <laughs> <laughs> it's called. It's titled Benjamin doing his thing, and like you hear him like oh, you hear him like singing in the middle. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, this one like is this one has gone through so much. I want to put up the remix of this that I did with Chris when he was going by Red Baron. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I did a I did a R and B version of it. When I played it with If By Chance, it sounded different, but you know, because you get these different musicians, and it yeah. was a band. It wasn't like me making all decisions. Isn't there a, or maybe it was just the way it was performed live, a version with like Trent singing background vocals or something like that? I don't know. I don't think I ever did this one with Trent. Okay. In college radio. Man, throw, some throwbacks here. Oh, college radio. <laughs> it's funny. Anytime I play with him, we still, we still are billed as that name. We did a show in Sonoy. Really? About a yeah, a little less than a month ago, and we were billed as college radio. He he just I, I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing at this point. And um and it's funny because I played a couple of songs off of off of this album, but then we also went back and played like better. <laughs> like some of the older tunes, because he still knows them. And it's just like, yeah, sure, let's throw them in there. <laughs> uh yeah, bring that to the to the next project. I think you should bring like the songs that you performed. Over the years, bring those to the next project because I mean because yeah. now you I think now you know since you understand like how you want everything to sound, you can bring out the sound like you said like how it sounds in your head. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think you should do that with the songs that you've played in public. Someone's going to remember that, <laughs> so you might as well record them. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, yeah, and that's and it started out. So I guess to give background on it. It started out with some of the songs I have played. So, like, I think the first song I did was I Needed This, which is actually a newer song, but still not new. Um, that was from it's weird because, like, these really could be like songs about insert person. Songs about this person. Yeah. And I'm not going to say names and protect the innocent, but I'll just say that she used to go to Atlanta all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll tell you off the air, Greg, (laughs) but, um, yeah, but that's what I wrote that one right as I, right after I graduated. And, um, 
this was the first song I started with. I was trying to get a similar production sound to a song by Thomas Rhett called Craving You. Um, I, it sounds nothing like that now because I just changed the way it sounded and went for more of a 90s pop rock sound just because that's what I really like. Um, but this was the first song I sent to Matt. <laughs> it was like, hey, what do you think? And it has, I mean, I don't have the original that I did because it had like crappy drums from Fruity Loops and like it just, like the synth was too high and it just, yeah, it just, it was weird. It didn't have like this, the guitar in the second verse, none of that stuff was there. And I just took it, threw it in Reaper, programmed some drums, programmed some bass, and it became an, a completely new thing. So, yeah, but this was the first one I sent to Matt when he was like, you should try to EQ the track. And I'd never, I was like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> what do you mean EQ the track? How do you do that? Like, so I just started going in there, EQing guitars, EQing just really everything. And I mean, you started to kind of know that I was like, oh, it doesn't sound as muddy. That's what you mean. Got it. Because it can, if everything's occupying the same space, it's gonna sound really muddy and all fighting for the same spot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Um, There's a lyric video for this one too. Anyone who's listening, it is on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to bring it up, but after what's happened in the last few minutes, I don't want to risk it. (laughs) Don't want to hear that pop again. Don't want (laughs) to. Got too many machines on in here, so. But find the lyric video on YouTube, yes. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, what kind of started the... What inspired, like, you know what, I think I can I can do this project. I, I and this is... I mean, because it's definitely something that you've want, wanted to do for a long time. Yeah. But to actually, like, okay, I'm going to start it on this day. I plan to release it on this day. And... I'm just going to go for it. So, well, so aside from, you know, working with Matt and all that, all that part, um, the roots kind of lie back from when I was out of a job. <laughs> um, you know, they always say when you're out of a job and they ask you, like, what have you done with all your time? Um, like, I really just kind of spread my wings and started getting. Um, I tried a lot of different things, like I really dove deep into Photoshop. Um, and even started that like NBA 2K thing where I was like taking NBA 2K oh, yeah. players and making posters, yeah, making posters just to kind of, you know, try it, get a new skill. Few moments later. Okay, we're back, y'all. Um, take three. <laughs> <laughs> um, Realize that uh, the fan was taken out of the server room. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it needed to go back. <laughs> it needed to go back for sure. Okay, uh, I can't remember what we were talking about. Oh, you um, were asking me about um, oh, kind of the, the inspiration yeah. to start recording the album. Another question I wanted to ask because I I don't even know where it, it we left off with that, but um, I wanted to ask about. Why call it Warm Georgia Nights? What's the inspiration behind <laughs> calling it Warm Georgia Nights? So it sounds like a like an almost a yacht rock type title. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really love my state, my home state. I know it's got its issues. Um, although we went blue, so that's cool. I know it's got its issues. I, I mean, I've lived here all my life, which is apparently a rarity nowadays. 
Um, and I wrote I wrote a song called Warm Georgia Nights. And oddly enough, um, when I sent it over, I sent this one to Matt as well. Seeing a trend here, some of these to Matt. And it was the it was like he was like this sounds really good like the recording and all that stuff and it was really that was after he had done the mix for Wonder and I had kind of just studied everything he did and kind of broke down a lot of the different things he did in terms of like because um, I know he had like a little bit of slapback on the like the slapback on that song like I just I really was just whatever he did I did and so I wrote that song in like one night like I just started writing. Um, it was kind of country inspired. I always wanted a two step song, and you know it was it was wrote kind of cheesily. And then like the last verse, I always tell Kendra is about like the first date we went on. Um, <laughs> but um, I always wanted a song that was about like where I'm from. You know, everyone's got these songs. We got songs about California. We got songs about Tennessee. You know, we got songs about Florida. I was like, I want a song about Georgia. I know we've got. Um, Georgia on my mind. I know we've got that, but I, was, I just wanted like want a song of my own to be about Georgia because I, I like it here. I like it in California too. It's funny because when we we went out to visit Matt and then we came back, as soon as we stepped off the plane, we're like, "Oh, it's so muggy." Like, <laughs> 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 like the air doesn't feel as as good. But like, I just wanted a song about Georgia, you know. So, and I it it, it takes me back to like like going out to like watch the fireworks on the 4th of July it's like you know July 4th is a warm Georgia night like yeah it just it reminds me of that type of stuff well the thing is like I, you say that phrase and I know exactly the feeling of it yeah it's, like, it's, it has yeah, yeah it, it definitely has a meaning and a feeling but I will say this is I think this is probably my favorite song on the album oh thanks yeah it I was love this song. I always it wanted like a, a two wait, step it, like it, okay two step like yeah I thought it was some kind of shuffle it is. It's well. It's a very popular country shuffle. So yeah. I mean, like, I will. So I'll say this. I've been playing drums for about four years now. Um, programming the drums and and the loops and everything for this got easier when I learned how to play drums because I've had Easy Drummer forever. Never knew how to use it. Starting out at <laughs> when I started playing drums, I started understanding how things just kind of went together. This was impossible for me to learn how to play. I was when I was in a '70s cover band. I won't say their name. We played. Um, <laughs> we played. Um, oh God, what's the Johnny Cash tune? Um, Folsom City, Folsom Prison Blues has a two-step. My God, I could not get it to save my life. Like I was just sitting there. If you can imagine, just sitting at that drum kit that e-kit just like trying my hardest to get like the the double stroke rolls and my kick drum my right foot to kind of go and just i could not get it so yeah um so that helped me kind of put this together to understand how that goes because like i remember when i the first time i ever used easy drummer for a song like i had the things that just didn't go together just like yeah you would never go from this to this that sounds like you don't know what you're doing (laughs) So yeah, um, but yeah, this was this was this was the first song when I finally kind of started to understand what I was really doing, like with you know with layering things and like I think there's like three guitar tracks here aside from the lead, yeah. along with um, the electric keyboard in the background, a bass, and then the brushed setting for the drums. So I just started to kind of I was like, oh okay, you put it here, you put this here, you kind of put this here. Um, 
Yeah. So, but I just yeah, you know, I just want a song about my home state. I love Georgia. All right. Um. <laughs> if everything is because we were uh, in, in the discussion we we're having about um, Billie Eilish before, uh, who were your influences? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. So influences in terms of well, I, well, I must say, I do I do know. I mean, my biggest influence is probably a mix between. Um, if we're talking about just musician writers, John Mayer and David Ryan Harris. Um, John Mayer, because I I modeled early on, I modeled a lot of my playing after him. He's better than me, but still, like, I wanted, you know, I would learn some of his songs to kind of get down certain techniques. Um, and then David Ryan Harris, because, um, and uh, I'm going to take it here. Um, as a black dude, I never thought that I could sing this type of music. <laughs> And when I was in high school, um, I heard, so there are two singers I really, really liked, and Matt will like this, um, Brandon Boyd from Incubus, because he has a very pretty voice. I don't think he gets enough credit for that, for how really, like, smooth his voice is. He can scream, like, he can, he can get really aggressive when he needs to, I think of, like, you know, Make Yourself, the end of Make Yourself, the song. Oh, yeah. He starts screaming, I'm like, oh, he can do that, too. But, like, if you listen, like, you know, like... Um, or in, even on Deep Inside, where he screams and then he starts going smooth again. Or like on um, Summer Romance. But, like, I got that album, Make Yourself, in high school. And I was like, dude, this guy has such really good, clean vocals. They sound really good. And then I heard the Brand New Immortals, which is the band that David Ron Harris sung for. And, like, he still, he does not change the way he sings. But it sounds really good. And I was like, okay, so I guess if you've got the right producers and you write the right types of songs, you know, you can sing rock music with a smooth, soulful voice. Um, And so, like, I continued to try to sing it. I was like, I'm going to make this work. (laughs) Like, I'm going to try to make this work eventually. I've just got to find what works, you know. And I know, like, I'm not, I don't think every song I have works for my voice. But, like, I just wanted, some of them I wanted to sing, I do write for you know, songs that I want other people to sing, but like, these are the songs I wanted to sing. <laughs> so they're the songs I enjoyed singing. Um, outside of that though, of course, and I mean, anyone who knows me should know this Max Martin, ladies and gentlemen, um, <laughs> I will tell anyone I come from in terms of melody writing, the Max Martin school of melody, writing. Didn't even realize I was doing it, but I just, you know, and syllables and making sure that this phrase fits with the previous phrase to get maximum, um, rememberability if that's a word if not i just made it up but um yeah no max martin and then diane warren um because i can say this as a spoiler alert for the next record there will be some ballads there's no ballads on this record which is really weird because i love ballads but there will be a couple of ballads and hopefully some um um collaborations but yeah no ballads on this record all killer no filler i guess Some 41. Yeah. Some 41 inspired. The sums. <laughs> um, I guess for Matt, what's your, what was your um, perspective as far as the, you know, what did you want to make sure? Because of course, Ben got a lot of stuff from, from, from uh, any work that you did from the, um, for these songs. 
I don't know if you were like giving him information or were if you more of a um, uh, lead by example kind of guy, like a Rick Rubin. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what did what were you looking for as far as when Ben sent you a track to kind of like give an overview? Um, I think it's because uh, like he had mentioned before that first one he sent me and it was you know, everything's centered and there was like no EQ and all that kind of thing. I was, the first thing I looked for was like how to spread all the instruments out and, and the frequencies and everything. So that when I did send it back to him, that he'd understand more what I was telling him. Cause like, I personally don't feel like I explain things well, whether <laughs> I'm talking or writing. So I, my initial purpose was to show him like, this is kind of what I mean when I say these things to you. Cause I don't, you know, I don't know if you really know, because I don't think I really know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> uh, that was kind of like the biggest thing for me was just make sure that I did things and I explained them the way I could, so that it was like, because I want I knew he was trying to learn all this stuff too. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to make it, you know, because uh, like the things that I know how to do are not all that complicated when you've been doing them for a little while. So it's like, how do I make it learn or I guess learnable, teachable, or something? Uh, uh, that was that was a big thing for me trying to get it back to him, and then you know following up and be like, yeah, I did this, did that, or I mean, most of the time he'd ask me too, what, what, was, this, what was that, I mean, like, you know. So I always wanted to make sure that I was available to answer any kind of question too, because um, I do, you know, I knew how much this meant to him, so I was like, I'm not gonna leave him hanging on things. I mean, it took me a while to get that solo to him. I am not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was worth. But it. for the most part, like when he when he you know when he would text me and call me or whatever, and that we'd talk about it, I'd. You know, I always made sure I made time for it because I knew how important this was to him. All right, cool. Uh, I think I'm going to uh, call this episode Matt Save the Album. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing to say. I mean, it really was, you know, I I felt so I felt stagnant, you know, because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then, like, um there was like literally one night where like I was and I it is really weird because like the way I write um is just it's weird like a lot of these songs are so different than how they started out and i wrote a lot of them or at least started the concept in like one night it was just like this killer writing session i think i might have gotten like maybe nine or ten like viable ideas for songs. so kind of like when we talked about synchronicity how uh sting wrote every breath you take while he was half asleep <laughs> in 30 minutes <laughs> yeah i was just literally just sitting there on the couch i think kendra was asleep and like we live in a small apartment were you reading any books nah i'm not a reader. okay she's the reader <laughs> I, I i watched her read books <laughs> um that's gonna be a lyric y'all <laughs> I might. um i just like got all these ideas and i you know i had the outline of an album like maybe mid 2020 and it just wasn't sounding the way I wanted it to sound. And I think I scrapped all but like one song, one or two songs mm. and like really did a lot of work in them. And I, and I guess this is just kind of like how, you know, you know, when, you know, the people that I look up to and that I, that I, whose opinions I value, like I'm really, I was really nervous. I had, I'd worked on all these songs <laughs> and once again, come to Matt and I'm like, Hey man, uh, I didn't even want to tell him at first that I had been doing it because I was like, if they sound bad, I don't want him to ask me to send them over 
and just have to be embarrassed again. <laughs> so I, 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 I worked on these songs like really, really hard. And then I was like, hey, yeah, this is what I'm thinking it's going to sound like. And I sent it to him. And like, <laughs> at first, he didn't say anything. I was like, oh, crap, they suck. Like, then he was like, oh, snap, double vocals. I was like, oh, you're going to Oh, God. And then he was like, twin guitar. Oh, God. So it was like, it kind of gave me the confidence. I was like, all right, finish this thing, dude. Like, go in there, make some tweaks, maybe get one or two more songs. Because um, at first, I was like, it could be like a four-song EP. I was like, no, nah, fuck that. I want to. I want a full album, man. So I went with nine songs, which is almost unheard of nowadays. Like, <laughs> told a friend, he was like, so how like how many songs? I was like, nine. He goes, whoa. Well, because that's like kind of in the middle. You, if you're going to do an EP, it's mm-hmm. like four. Mm-hmm. If you do an album, it's got to be like 16. Yeah. I was, like, <laughs> so. I was like, nah, bro, 16. I was like, I wanted to put it out on my birthday. I was like, if I'm going to get this thing out by my birthday. But like we talked before, that's a. That's an '80s thing that yeah. should come back. The the where the the album is just nine songs, like Twenty Four Karat Magic, is yeah. nine. Thriller nine. Mm-hmm. I think uh, No Jacket Required was nine. Um, Synchronicity was mm-hmm. nine or maybe ten. Yeah, but keep it to ten. Yeah, you don't need a you don't yeah, need nine a ton, nine yeah. or ten. You don't. I mean, that's what Weezer does. I think every album of theirs is ten songs. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like like because the other stuff is like is it is filler. Like there are who has the sixteen track album that you don't skip over, you don't <laughs> skip songs, and no. you don't like jump a... around. You start at number one and go. I was all gonna the say Matt through. probably. I was gonna say uh, I imagine for yeah. Matt it's a three eleven track or three eleven. Yeah, album. well, Transistor is technically twenty two tracks. Oh wow, really? And I uh, I don't skip it. I mean, they have like a intro. You know, when CDs came out, you could rewind yeah. at the first track, the mm-hmm. hidden track. I they had one there. <laughs> I yeah. W- <laughs> I wanted but, so technically track. the album's 21 track listings, but there's mm-hmm. 22 songs. Yeah. But I- that's me, you know. Well, you're you're a big, you're a big fan. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, but I would the vast majority of Third Eye Blind is, but I don't think that's 16. I think that's like 12 or 13. Mm. Where I don't I don't skip to anything on the first album, but you know when Stephen Jenkins started getting his hands in there, that's when it kind of got a little rough. I, th- I think they just came up with a new song. Yeah, I album. follow them. I'll I'll check it out, but I mean, like <laughs> the stuff they're doing nowadays is just, just pack it in, man. Like I get it, I, but I mean, like I don't know what is he trying to get out, you know, in terms of like creativity, like what is inside of him that he's trying to say. Uh, there's got to be some stuff he wants to say. I mean. Kevin like he's Cadigan's the only gone. person in the band. Vanessa Carlton left him. Uh, I did not know they were dating. Yeah, he produced her. Yeah, he produced second her album. second album. Yeah, did some great yeah. work on it too. It's a good album, but like, uh, yeah, they were dating for like a couple of years, I think. Matt Nathanson, oh. not Matt Nathanson, Matt. Um, oh God, what is this? I can't think of his name. One of my favorite session drummers played on that record. Mm. Um, yeah, he's he's good. He was one of the he was one of the many rotating Pearl Jam drummers in the early '90s. That he actually came up and played with them at the their induction, but I can't think of his oh, name. Cool. It's Matt something, but yeah. Uh, so you've put out the album. Uh, you've talked about the next project, like you know, you're looking forward to working the next project, or even a, a holiday song. Yeah, I would, I would love to do a holiday song. I actually started I started the writing process on that. But it doesn't sound very holiday. 
<laughs> but I well, think the, that you would know, fit you my know personality, the key, though. The key thing to make it a holiday song, oh, just add bells? some bell, some sleigh bells in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a it's a holiday ballad, though, like in the vein of like, it does, I'll be home matter. for Christmas or something. It doesn't matter. Like, take the, the song, um, since Matt has the AT Aliens shirt, uh, <laughs> uh, the song Player's Ball by Outkast. Yeah, just throw in some sleigh bells. <laughs> throw in some sleigh bells. <laughs> And they put it on the LaFace Christmas album. <laughs> I didn't even realize for years that that was, that, a, Christmas, that yeah. was a Christmas song. That was supposed to be a either. Christmas song. So I thought it was just dope. Just <laughs> add some sleigh bells. It's it's Christmas. It, it could be about anything. It could yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. be a song about walking your dog. Put some sleigh bells in the back. It's it's walking, you know. In the snow with the, yeah. with the dog. <laughs> now I want to I want to get as much out. I mean, like I've, what well, I just turned thirty seven, just put out you know some some music. I want to get out as much as I can, especially to take advantage of the, what I you know pay DistroKid as a distribute as, as a distributor distributor. There we go, distributor. Um, so you know that's that's part of it as well. Get my, like I said, get my money's worth because. <laughs> Yeah. You just put out, you know, their whole thing is you put out unlimited music each year, you know, however long, whereas like, you know, CD Baby and the other one I looked at, I can't think of their name. Um, they charge you band per, camp? not Bandcamp, I think it might have been TuneCore. Mm. You get charged per album mm. to put it out. Um, there's some things you get from them that you don't get from DistroKid or cost extra, but they're things that I don't like. I don't care about a vinyl release. That'd be cool, oh, yeah. but like no one's gonna really, you know, other than maybe my father, <laughs> he might be like, "Yeah, I'll take a CD." Or he might ask me that too, like, "You got a CD?" No, Dad, here you go, go on Spotify and find it. Or my sister, who um, I had to show her the YouTube links because she doesn't have streaming either. You know, so, yeah. so for someone who's a little bit older, they might want you know a physical release, but yeah, I just, that that wasn't my concern. You know, get it out digitally and. And see if people listen and, you know, I, I I mean, people have been listening. I'm not like breaking records or anything, but like I can tell people are listening on Spotify and Apple, which is where I'm, I'm monitoring it. And it's cool. There's I mean, like the one thing I I told myself I wouldn't do is overanalyze it. And so the joke he made at the beginning, Ben's version, I just I want to do a remix to a couple of tracks. That's all. Like I listened. <laughs> I was like, oh, I could have done that better. I could have done that better. Um but like a lot of that came from and I, I now I guess I see the pressure of where they're like, oh, man, like in the final hours, we're trying to get this thing done. Like you can really you can miss some things. You can be like, oh, man, like this verse is louder than that verse or, um, I, you know, like there's this or, you know, you, you just you can hear certain things. Um, but these are but I also understand, like, you know, with that push to try to get it out by the 21st, like the songs are even like haven't even come back from the copyright office yet. <laughs> like that's a three month process. I, you know, I didn't know that because um, I ain't you know, a shout out to Chris. I was talking to him about that process because he's copyrighted stuff. I was like, is it always this expensive? <laughs> he's like, it's gotten better. But, yeah, it's a it's an arduous process. So, um, you know, so, yeah, I got some advice from him on that and and. I, he was like, yeah, you've got the record that you got to copyright it. But if somebody wants to sue you, they, you know, maybe they could probably tie you up in court. I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to sue me for these. I don't know. I hope to God not. Someone's like coming out there. Well, there aren't any songs that sound like Marvin Gaye, are there? No. Well, I'm more <laughs> so thinking like if someone tried to be like, I wrote Wonder. Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I don't know who would do that. I don't know. I mean, like, 
I don't feel like these songs are big enough at the moment for somebody. Like, I'm not even, like, playlisted. I don't, yeah. I wonder, this is how I knew that you, that this was, like, really, really official. I mean, I knew you, you know, you have it on Spotify and Apple Music. But when I made the reel to promote this episode on Instagram mm-hmm. and you could you could select a song. Yeah. And I typed, it, yeah. it came up. You're like the all the whole album came up. Uh, there was someone else named Ben Ben Watt on there. Yeah. He's from there. everything but yeah. the girl. OK. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it. Uh, I was excited for that. Like it's like you you on Instagram now. Yeah. Too. I told Kendra. I was like, <laughs> I was like the, the lyrics aren't synced yet because that's a really tedious process. They've mm-hmm. got to be paying interns to do that. <laughs> Because it's like you have to listen to each part and tell it where to stop. I was like, no, nah, forget that, man. I, I put the lyrics in. If you got Apple Music, you can see them. I was like, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> like these sync lyrics, I don't know anyone who's going to be like with their phone up like, yeah, like singing along to like Ben Watts songs. Like that'd be, yeah. It's funny. It's on TikTok too. You can use it as a sound on TikTok. It's, see, you made it. You get you, all. You yeah, have made it now. Distro kid, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. So, I, and, and I thought about that. Like, I don't know. Like I've been, I'm not the self promoter. So like it's, that has been weird for me, like saying, Hey, go listen to this record. Um, mm. That's been weird to me. Um, but I kind of did my best cause I've always wanted. So part of, and this goes back to when, as Matt alluded, we played the rock boat and correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt, but it, you kind of feel like you're living like a rock star oh, because 100%. all you do is show up and play music. You mm. drink as much as and you want. You eat as much as you want. <laughs> to me, the weird part was when people would recognize you. Yeah. Because it's not just like a bar and then you you know, you know leave and you're all in your city. Like you're all stuck on the same boat. Yeah. So you have people come and be like, oh, you're from last night. And especially for me, because you know, yeah. everyone forgets I'm even in the band. <laughs> that was a joke. So when people would come up joke. to me and be like, oh, hey, you guys played great last night. I'd be like, oh, shit. This yeah. Is weird. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. Like, yeah, all your like everything's backlined. And they've got professionals that set it up. So literally, you just grab our guitars and show up to the show and play. That never happened. So like you're living yeah. like a rock star. And then like to make it even to make it even better, like you have an autograph signing session where people will show yeah, up. Granted, weird. we're not what like did y'all you have know, to sign. Someone had a poster. They like oh. they would come up with a poster like like is like you have these people who go on the rock boat every year. Both, you know, both patrons and bands. Um, you know, um, and so they would, they want to know who's going to be there so they can sing along. And we didn't have a ton online, but still like someone's like, oh yeah, we look for you guys. And we found a couple of your songs so we could sing along. And they had a poster and they're like, Hey, can you, do you mind signing by your name on the poster? It was weird. And like, you were scheduled. I was like, oh yeah, you're scheduled to come and sign autographs from this time to this time. And like, yeah, we're not vertical horizon or sister Hazel, but yeah, we probably signed like maybe a dozen autographs. Um, and so I share that story to say that like I always wanted part of doing this was doing promotion. So like that's why I was like, man, like what do you do with an album? You have a lead single and it has a music video. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you, you, you had a uh, so I knew video. I couldn't make a music video myself, but I could do a lyric video. That's you know all the rage nowadays anyway. And found someone on Fiverr who you know wasn't too expensive and had this really cool concept of like you know with the with the drawing and everything so i was like yeah let's do that and 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 promote it on your website and and all this other stuff so like i just always wanted to just kind of be in that cycle just to see what it was like you know like 
I was playing shows at Fetch and like promoting it, being like, hey, I've got an album coming out. So oh, that sounds kind of cool to say that. Like, you know, even played a song that like got put on there last minute. Um, the one that was um, um, One Horse Town, which was written originally for a, a, a woman to sing. But I was like, oh, we'll throw it on. Some guy really liked it. He came up to me and was like, I really like that song. Sure, throw it on there. Like, <laughs> um, But like it was just I it was kind of cool just to be able to do all of that. Um, I don't know if I'll do all of that for the next release, because at this point, I think maybe it's just like something that's cathartic just to get the music out, um, because I'll never stop recording. And essentially, if I don't do anything with them, they'll just they're just going to sit on my hard drive. They're just going to sit on my computer and, and go nowhere. And it's like I could just record them and not do anything or I could share them. And, and really, that's what it kind of came about. Like, I wanted to. There was this thing that I did, and I just wanted to share it with people. And hopefully they liked it, listening to it as much as I like making it. You know, I was like, I'm not going to make any money off of this, probably. I don't care. Like, it's just, you know, maybe I'll get a check for, like, 50 cents from Spotify or something. I don't know. Like, it's like a billion streams to get anything. <laughs> but, like, I just really wanted to put something out and, and you know, work with my friends on it. And, like, yeah, it was, it was fun. All right. Um, I think we should end the discussion on the album before uh, any breakers trip again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, you guys can find the album. It's 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 on Spotify because we played the songs from Spotify. It's also on Apple Music, anywhere you stream music. Yeah, I'll be so I'm going to put up a playlist too because they encourage artist playlists um to kind of give you guys an idea of some of the things i was listening to when i made it because i mean like the first track's a folk track the second track i think is i guess like piano rock let me ask matt yeah. this because you you've seen these playlists on Spotify. for different artists have a playlist that for what inspired their recent album or whatever do you find that pretentious no I mean, I I won't say that I go and I listen to them, but I don't find it pretentious. It, it, I do like the idea of knowing like what other artists listen to, though, because in my mind, for the longest time, I just thought they only listened to themselves. <laughs> like, I, there's no, absolutely no reason for me to think that, but that's just kind of like I thought they like didn't listen to music. I don't know why. I always get weird, or not? I don't get weird. I I always find it interesting when other artists talk about other artists. Yeah, so it's, it's really uh, cool to hear. Yeah, yeah. So I do. I like the idea of it, and I encourage it. But I can't say I personally go and listen to them, though. And because I, I was like, I don't know. It feels pretentious. I don't know if I want to do it. But like, there's. I, I mean, I would like. There's some songs on there that I was listening to. I like people to check out, like you know, like Mr. Wives and Sturgill Simpson. Although I feel like he doesn't need my help. He, he has a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> um, like yeah, every song, and it's gonna be like that on the next record. It's gonna be even more diverse. There's folk, there's piano rock, there's pop rock, country, um, and then that last track was is, you know, is like a, a funk electro type song. I don't know. Like it's just, it's all over the place. Like I said, I'm not trying to do this to get famous. I just want to make music. So I hope that people enjoy it. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that will do it for our discussion on the Ben Watts debut album. Warm Georgia nights. Well, you said the next yeah. one's gonna be like like cold Georgia nights. Or something. <laughs> cold, cold, Georgia. 
cold Georgia weekends. <laughs> um, Afternoon thunderstorm. <laughs> that that is very yacht rocky right there. Mm-hmm. That's like that's got like <laughs> afternoon delight vibes. <laughs> well, you know what you have to write about now. <laughs> That'd be awkward. <laughs> the first question. So, is this song about you and Kendra? Like, well, I mean, I'm not cheating, so. <laughs> uh, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um, uh, an artist who I, he, I think he's been my earworm once before, but he's came out with a new album. Uh, his name is Leon Bridges. Okay, I remember him. And uh, even though he just he he has the look of someone who was born in Mississippi and then moved to Chicago in the 60s. That's how he's always looked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But with this album, uh, I think there's a little bit of reggae influence combined with his blues, more of his blues, R&B, soul sound. Um, And I came across this album because he worked with another one of my favorite artists, We Are King. They they worked on some... uh, they did some background vocals, co-wrote a couple of songs. Um, and one of them uh, plays. If you, everyone who follows We Are King, I don't know if they just collect synthesizers or if they're just obsessed <laughs> with them, but that's kind of, that's their specialty. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> different kinds of synthesizers. So, but they, you know, they played a little bit of that on the album. And this song I really like, and he played, and he, I think he performed this on Fallon. It's called Steam, and the name of the album is Gold Digger Sound. So we'll play that song, and we'll be right back. Oh, no. 
is Steam by Leon Bridges from his album Gold Digger Sound, which just came out last week, I believe. I can get with that. Yeah, that's nice. So I was trying to figure out what he was doing there in the middle. Was that a guitar? You think, Matt? Yeah, I was trying to figure that out, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, uh, I can dig this. Uh, it's weird. Have you ever heard of a thing called a rolly? No. A rolly? No. So it's it's a um it's this type of MIDI keyboard, but it's the keys have like some kind of gel inside of them or something, so they're like really easy to just slide over. I, I don't I'm gonna do a horrible job trying to explain it. So if you don't look it up, it's just R O L L I. But anyway, you can hook that up and you can there's when you hook that up to like software that has really good software instruments, mm-hmm. sometimes you really can't tell if it's a guitar or not. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what they used on that one Ariana Grande song. Uh, I wish I could remember. Dangerous the name Woman. Of it. There's this weird guitar solo, but then yeah. like the end of it is so fast. Yeah, no, that's. But I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what, that's what one's doing it. I and I've had experience doing that with a keyboard actually. When I recorded with a gentleman up in Ackworth, I can't remember his name. I think it was Joe. Um, oh yeah, this this it, it. Oh, okay. There are two different kinds here. One is a. It looks like a keyboard, but. That's really it, it. Just looks like one, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the other is the the Roly blocks, hmm. uh, which is kind of like the um, some EDM artists use them, where you just it. It's kind of like a you run your finger, and it that's what makes the pattern, and you can just make it loop or something like that. I'm doing a poor job of explaining. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. But yeah, this the 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 Roly looks the the keyboard looking one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's you probably you just play it like one, but it do, it doesn't look like it feels like one. But it barely looks because yeah, like it's one. all very yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the point of it is you can like it's touch or you know pressure sensitive, and you can like each individual key that you can like slide on it and stuff and do different like it'll yeah. make different effects happen. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, cool. All things that MIDI does. Gotta love MIDI. <laughs> I do. Like, I mean, MIDI is just is the things that we can do now with technology yeah. that you know. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's it's. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's so cheap to make music nowadays, and it kind of sucks for musicians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it kind of sucks. So, I mean, hey, this is this is where we are, though. So that'll uh, bring us to the end of this episode. Um, I'm not going to ask Matt where he can be found because y'all can look at the show notes from the last episode or from this one mm-hmm. to know where to find him. So he doesn't have to repeat himself this he time. just told us. Were y'all yeah, paying attention? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Matt, thank you again for yes. joining us, of course. Of course. Anytime, guys. You know, I love talking with you. Meant a lot for this one, too. So thank you. Uh, I did. I had no idea, man. I thought I could be of such help. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what should we end this episode with? Mm. Crap. I guess that. Yeah. This is. Um, uh, y O Y. That was Y-O-Y. one of the songs I wrote on that faithful that fateful writing night. <laughs> <laughs> I started. I started the bones of that one. All right. Sure, it starts playing. This is Y O Y by the from the debut album 
Ben Watts. <laughs> I've sounded more radio as we've gone along. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Start. Promises you can adore. Why?